0: to Inner Challenge, a podcast that takes the mystery out of cultivating mental wellness. Today's question is, how is your nests? But before we launch into this most important topic, which focuses on self-care, let me check in. How'd you do with last week's Inner Challenge? Noticing, naming, taming, and aiming your emotions. Did you use this simple emotional regulation tool to tend and befriend your emotional reactions? Or are you more aware that you lean towards blaming and unclaiming? Learning to tend to our emotions in a more direct way is a process. Where in truth, the biggest challenge is just remembering to do this, instead of just avoiding or pushing through them. We don't need to feel every emotion, but rather commit to moving through them more directly when we feel emotionally uncomfortable and of equal importance when it comes to cultivating mental wellness. We need to be able to tend and befriend our emotions when we feel happy, joyful and loving. So maybe in this past week you came home from work after a really shitty meeting and you poured yourself a glass of wine or you popped open a beer. You realized after a few sips that you weren't tending and befriending, but unclaiming. So you stopped yourself, moved your awareness to your feet, and you named the emotion. Ugh, I felt really disappointed in my performance. You put your hand on your heart, and you just breathe through the sense of regret that was lingering in your body. Just stay with the breaths and move through the emotional bell curve. your emotion often our mind will move from the critical thought oh I did horribly to a bit of an emotional release that allows us to think more clearly and view more of the situation hey this was the first meeting that our new team had so of course it was a little bumpy followed by some quick relieving breaths and a renewed sense of energy hey you're home from work Let's go walk the dog and enjoy the nice day. As I said before, the hardest part of emotional regulation is to remember to do it. Since most of us are taught to stuff our feelings or flip them into blame. Don't be afraid of your emotions. They're just physical sensations with a beginning, a middle and an end that will significantly decrease in usually about 90 seconds. I cannot tell you how important this skill is when it comes to today's topic. Self-care. We hear about the importance of self-care all the time. Blah, 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 self-care. I'm not blind because it's important. I'm blind because in my 35 years as a therapist, this is the biggest change I've seen in my clients. I would love to say that all the discussion about physical health and mental health and self-care have actually made us all better at it. But unfortunately, that is not my experience. I think most people are fairly overwhelmed and struggle to have a consistent self-care plan for their physical health, let alone their mental health. Today, I'm going to talk about self-care from a strictly mental health perspective. But I can guarantee you, if you can have just a decent self-care plan for your mental health, the rest of your wellness will fall into place. I'm not saying you won't get physically sick or wake up at 3 a.m. with anxiety. What I am saying is when those things happen, you will know how to take care of yourself and move through them in a healthier way. To use the One Pager for this episode, go to my website, MJ Murray Vichon. Under the podcast tab, go to One Pager number eight. Let me begin by defining self-care. Self-care is our weekly habits and practices that help us cultivate positive mental and physical energy so that we can realize our abilities, cope with the normal stresses of life, work productively, and have healthy relationships. If this sounds familiar, it's because basically I'm looking at self-care through the World Health Organization's definition of mental wellness, which we talked about in episode one note the word positive self-care practices are meant to be done in a positive way where we're in that river of wellness remember Dr. Siegel's acronym faces yes we want our self-care practices to be flexible adaptive coherent energized and stable so we are cultivating self-care practices that encourage mental peace more mental clarity And more happiness this means we don't want our minds to end up on the bank of rigidity remember this image from podcast number one where our self-care practices cause us to be critical and out of coherence with what is going on in the rest of our life think of coherence simply when it comes to self-care does this make sense is this possible if the answer is no you are out of coherence And it is time for an update i see this a lot when a family has a new baby my client will come in and be very critical of not being back to their old exercise routine which often is not possible for many good reasons so the tools of being flexible adaptive and coherent can help us decrease the critical voice and help us update so we can cultivate a new way to exercise while being open to the wonder, joy, and demands of a new baby. When we're in the midst of transitions, new jobs, new homes, new babies, illness, and living in a pandemic, Siegel's acronym reminds us of the importance of grounding ourselves in the now. It means we must let go of old ways, and we must be willing to be adaptive. We also want to avoid being on the bank of chaos, where we avoid self care practices and pretend that the avoidance doesn't impact our mental wellness. It does. I have come to think of overwork as a function of chaos because it is often connected to avoiding things, problems at home, the anxiety of telling a boss or manager that you have more work than you can actually get done, or small but important self care practices such as taking a five-minute break from our computer so we can rest our eyes, stretch our back, and give our mind a break. Yes, our Apple Watch dings, telling us to get up, but our anxiety, our push, 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 has us on the bank of chaos, afraid to stop and do a little bit of self-care. The acronym I have created to help guide people figuring out their own self-care plan is nests n for nutrition e for exercise s for sleep t for technology and s for stress nothing new you've heard it all before here goes one more time but i think i have a unique perspective on this topic having seen the trajectory of self-care decrease significantly since i started 35 years ago what you might say how can this be so with all the new science, workout gear, and smart watches that tell us to stand, sleep, and breathe. Here are some of my clinical observations that get in the way of integrating good mental health care habits into our life in an easy and cheap way. I think it's helpful for us to see why this is so hard for many of us. It is not a character issue. It is not an intelligence issue. Trust me. Reason number one, why self-care so hard is all about the cereal aisle way too many choices when it comes to self-care we have so many choices that people often get paralyzed we also become overly ambitious and we think if we pick the right thing we will get huge results kind of like day traders looking for hacks easy ways to make millions Mental wellness is built one step at a time. We all know there's a lot of exercise equipment gathering dust in people's basements. Trust me, self-care is about doing the minimal of what we need to do and sticking to it. Moderation goes a long way. Cheerios, oatmeal, or granola, no big difference. What matters is that we eat them regularly and in moderation. The second thing that I think gets in the way of us cultivating self-care in our daily lives is that we now only have a 21-hour day. Can you believe it? Someone has basically taken three hours out of our day. We didn't even get to vote on it. Boy, I'm really worried about the future of democracy if this keeps up. Yes, think about all the self-care we could do if we got that time back. You know what I'm talking about. The average American spends two and a half hours on social media each day. And from the looks of it from my office, it's a like-hate relationship with social media. Perhaps you're saying, rather proud of yourself, not me, don't do social media. Well, the average American spends five hours a day on the phone. And I'm pretty sure that all of that time is not texting supportive messages to family and friends doing a quick 15 minute news update and a little bit of meditation. Hey, I love technology too, but I'm on a campaign where we learn to manage it because from my perspective, it is managing us and it really hurts our mental health. I believe if we use some of our scrolling, trolling, bankrolling and cajoling time for self-care, we can easily feel better. So in the next episode, I am going to give you a hack that I have created that will let you be the boss of your phone and your social media accounts. The last reason, number three, that I want to share with you why self-care is so darn hard is because I think unless you live in Oregon or New Jersey, you have to put gas in your own car. I live in Indiana and when I got my license, I could go to Virgis Sitco and one of his employees would walk out the door and fill up my car while I sat in it, listening to the radio, enjoying myself. Decades later, I use this metaphor for how we have lost so many structures that helped us with self-care. For example, the eight to five workday, television channels that went dark at 1230 in the morning, stores that closed at 9 p.m. forced us to stop shopping normal-sized portions at restaurants that did not ask us to execute willpower that most of us do not have no quiet time or spaces that allow our mind to drift and daydream sometimes it's just a relief to have others set boundaries for us because it's hard to say no to ourselves all day long this is not to mention that with people working from their homes as well as work following us home in the form of nightly email checking and text drawing boundaries for one's self-care and family is extremely difficult. And to be honest, often it is not allowed. This makes it hard to fit in a 30 minute walk, a 10 minute mind dump. We live in an age of unprecedented abundance where we have to say no so often to appealing and interesting and often unknowingly addictive things. Our culture is no longer structured, so it's easy to get seven hours of sleep. So the best we can do is put a little energy into figuring this out for ourselves. And I strongly encourage us to do this in a communal way with our family, our friends, and our departments at work. So let me state the obvious. Everything I have talked about on this podcast has led up to this moment where we talk about self-care yes it's a bummer it's not more integrated into our culture but I can guarantee you having worked on this with thousands of people we can design our lives to have more self-care in an intentional way doing the inner work of notice on the inside is foundational for assessing what our self-care needs the question who am I Gives us permission to understand our age and stage and do the necessary learnings and updates when it comes to our own self-care plan. Few of us can exercise like we did in college. Few of us can exercise like we did in college when we have three kids in tow. So updates are absolutely necessary. Making the decision that I can train my brain and not let my mind run amok is an essential hack when it comes to self-care. And lastly, and the most helpful tool I have found for self-care is the ability to regulate our emotions because nothing sabotages self-care like a voice that is overly critical or a mind that avoids the obvious signals that our body is sending to us that it is time to go to bed. Perhaps you have noticed I have yet to say go to the gym or eat more kale. Yes. Self-care is about turning inward and gently noticing what we need to do in order to have good physical energy and mental clarity. Yes, the mind and body are connected, and when we do basic self-care, the people I have worked with have become surprised at how much this helps their mental wellness. So let me offer a few reflections from a mental wellness perspective as I talk about my acronym of nests, nutrition, exercise, sleep, technology, and stress. Nutrition. I am far from a nutritionist, but I have two questions for you to consider when it comes to self care and nutrition using the lens of mental wellness. The first question is this. Do you notice how food affects your mental state? Of course, people think about food when it comes to fitting or not fitting into their clothing. They think about heart-healthy diets or fun ways to celebrate with food. But if you want to be happier, more peaceful, and mentally clearer in the long run, it can be helpful to look at how food, alcohol, and drugs, including pot, affect your mental state. Just step back and be curious for the next week. Notice how your mind is after your morning coffee. Oh, more alert. I like that. Two cups, I'm shaky. Go to decaf. Or skip it everyone is raving about the lasagna that tasted great but you noticed a bit of brain fog after or notice what you eat before you have to interact with someone who makes you feel anxious just notice what food does to your mental and physical state notice when it makes your mind clearer foggier or it numbs you or it makes you feel nourished and ready to go and face the challenge of course This type of noticing is easier to do with alcohol and drugs. But if you get curious, you can easily spot how food affects your mind. It can make your mind work better or worse. Often my clients rave about how pot helps calm them down. But when they notice it from the perspective of their whole day or week, they get a fuller picture. In the short run, they are calmer. But for some people, pot is followed by the munchies which causes brain fog and weight gain. And over time, many notice decreased motivation, which actually makes them more anxious and then they want to smoke more pot. It's a vicious cycle. Yes, this is why my definition of self-care is that I see it as our weekly practices because this helps us look at the whole picture instead of just the hour or the day. The point is when it comes to nutrition, There is no one size that fits all I want to encourage that you consider assessing what you eat and how it affects your mental clarity and mood and positive energy I've met a lot of skinny and buff people who are not happy and peaceful so I know the ultimate solution to mental wellness is not the culture's obsession with thinness and six-packs try to eat and drink so your mind feels good and you have positive energy the second question I want to give to you When it comes to self-care and nutrition is can you notice when you're using food to fuel your body and mind and when you're using it to soothe and avoid hard emotional feelings this might be a shock but using food to regulate our emotions is like using our car key to try to open our front door as i said in the last podcast we can regulate our emotions by using notice name tame and aim Yes, with a little bit of awareness, a little bit of effort, we have a hack that allows us to feel better without using foods in ways that cause other problems. I have done two podcasts on emotional regulation, so I won't spend any more time here. But I want to quote Brene Brown, we are not teacups. We can actually feel our hurt, feel our anxiousness, and move through the bell curves so we can claim what is rightfully ours, our emotions, even if they suck. When we do this, our reward is a little relief, more clarity, and this helps us make better choices. I am not here to tell you to eat keto or try the Mediterranean diet. I'm here to say the obvious. Food is fuel and our body and brain desperately needs it but our emotions do not need it at all. When we use food, alcohol, and drugs to regulate our emotions, we just create more problems that get in the way of our mental wellness. Let's move on to E, exercise. If you have a regular exercise or movement program, you can skip this part because you don't need me to tell you that moving our bodies is an absolute must when it comes to our mental wellness. Exercise and physical movement improve mental health by reducing anxiety, depression, and negative mood. As a licensed clinical social worker, it has become more and more difficult for me to accurately understand the source of anxiety and depression in many of the people I treat when they do not do enough movement on a daily and a weekly basis. I'm sure you all know that for many people, exercise is more effective than antidepressants for mild and moderate anxiety. Did you also know that there is no research that I'm aware of that says antidepressants are substitutes for movement? So in this age of lots of sitting as we work from home, use our computers, we can't be anything but surprised that we have an increase in anxiety and depression. Unfortunately, this information does not usually make us lace up our shoes. Here's a few tricks that my clients have taught me Over the years trick number one if you are not training for the Olympics you do not need an exercise or a movement program that makes you hate the instructor feel sick at the end of the session or feel 105 when you get out of bed the next day the biggest block I see when it comes to exercise the biggest block I see when it comes to exercise is that most people set their aspirations so high they get paralyzed before they start or can't keep it up for more than two or three days. Hey, we already have to do wash, pay taxes, and live in a pandemic. We shouldn't be choosing exercise programs that we hate. We want to make our mind more peaceful, more calm, happier. So we need to find movement and exercise that we like. Don't make this difficult. Go for a walk with a friend. Run with your favorite podcast. Get a rebounder and watch Ted Lasso or your favorite movie. Walk through the mall as you peruse windows, bike to your favorite coffee shop, get a latte and bike home. If gyms are fun for you, sign up. But if you keep signing up and don't going, you don't like them. You won't do them. For most people, if you, if you combine exercise with something that is enjoyable, you have a better shot of integrating it into your life on a weekly basis. Let's update that Nike ad. Just do it, but make it enjoyable. Leave the hardcore training to those who are going to the Olympics. Number two, when it comes to mental wellness and exercise, trust me, less is more. For mental wellness, all we need to do is move. Walking is fabulous. I cannot tell you how many people over the years have told me that walking does not count as exercise. Please, trust me, it does. Walking is the Rodney Dangerfield of the movement and exercise world. If you do not know who Rodney Dangerfield is, Google him and you'll see what I mean. Walking is fabulous. You don't have to drive to the gym and often you do not need to shower and all you need are a decent pair of tennis shoes. The next two letters S for sleep and T for technology are so foundational and so important when it comes to mental wellness. I will give them each their own little special podcast. The S stands for stress. What is stress? It's another way to say anxiety. When it comes to looking at self care through the lens of mental wellness and stress, we need two skills. One for stress repair, and the other for stress prevention. If you had the instinct that I was going to say that the skill you need for stress repair is emotional regulation, your mental wellness IQ is definitely increasing as you listen to this podcast. Yes, emotional regulation is what we do when in our daily life, we move into a situation that causes us anxiety, feels threatening, stress. The one skill that we can use for stress repair is notice, name, tame and aim. So let's move on to stress prevention or another way of saying it is how do we create a mental state that not only prevents anxiety, but allows us to be more capable of living in the world that we live in today, where there is a lot of anxiety. We're living in a pandemic, terrible political division and climate change these are hard times so i kind of hate to say to you i think we need to do a little bit more but we do because i think our new normal will be this unpredictability change that happens faster than we can integrate legislate and translate into meaningful rituals and traditions change that is often filled with loss of the familiar the known the safe change that we cannot really get our own heads and hearts around let alone our family friends community and nation these are demanding times that we live in so no wonder we turn to our devices to avoid food to soothe and alcohol and drugs to numb these are not long-term solutions to the anxiety and uncertainty that comes with our age i want to suggest a practice to build our capacity to tend and befriend all of this unpredictability. The self-care practice I'm going to suggest is my biggest failure as a therapist. It is the skill of meditation. No matter how often I recommend, beg, build it into sessions. I have not had consistent luck with people sticking to a practice of meditation. No judgment here. It took me 30 years to really be committed to mine. I've also come to realize that there is nothing more un-American than sitting and doing nothing. We are people of action. We are people who like to fix. We are people who like to innovate. We are people of busy minds and busy days that drive us crazy, but it's our crazy, so it's not easy to let go of. Many of us come from, the, from a faith tradition that are beautiful prayer practices that are often helpful. But what I'm suggesting is a little bit different than these. I'm afraid that we're beginning to think a busy mind is normal. Just so you know that busy and anxious is not the only state a mind can be in. Anxiety is contagious. Our culture is full of it. And one of the ways that we can have an antidote for it is to learn to meditate. The goal of mental wellness is not to empty our minds. That is Zen meditation. Wonderful for anyone who loves this type of meditation, but not necessary for our purposes. The kind of meditation that I want to encourage you to do is much easier, more natural for those of us with busy minds. What I am recommending takes 8 to 10 minutes, but I have done it in 4 and 5 and gotten relief. This is the process ground your feet sit still in a chair lie on a couch in a bed stand in a warm shower be in your car at the beginning of the middle of the day and just intentionally meditate just be still and observe your mind in a non-judgmental way for two minutes watch it like a movie as an observer Get some distance from it. Most of us will start with our to-do list, move to our worst fears list, and swing by with, oh, I didn't get this done list. You can be critical or you can say, oh, no wonder my mind is racing. Yep, that's the beginning of a good meditation. You cannot skip this first step. You must let in this first step your mind run amuck, Let it be free. And you will see that it will slow down it will get a bit calmer we're not going for monk status just do the two minute brain dump and see what comes up no judgment when i do this i often catch when i double book clients or remembered a meeting that i hadn't put on my calendar or a bill that needed to be paid i have never had the experience in this first two minutes of saying oh how lovely i'm all caught up with everything My kids are fine and the day is sunny. Mm. If you have that, feel free to send me an email. If starting this first two minutes of your meditation works better for you by writing it all out, have at it. Once you get through the first two minutes of the brain dump, you can move on to the next part of the meditation. Keep your feet grounded and move your mental awareness to your breath for four or five minutes and just follow your breath of course your mind will take little field trips you'll have thoughts about did i leave the dog out oh am i out of coffee no problem just gently move your mind to your breath the beautiful thing about having your breath be the object of your meditation is that it cannot leave you once you've done that for four or five minutes and yes at first it will be difficult i just want you to move your mind To your happy place, maybe it's a beach, your dog on the lap, dancing to music, whatever it is, move your mind there and just let it abide for a minute or so. End your meditation with an intention of what you want to do that day that's positive, bring light to the world, do some good work, or be kind to your children. That's it. It takes... Seven, eight to ten minutes. The hardest part of this meditation is remembering to do it. So I encourage people, just put a few post-its around that say meditate and pick a time, the beginning of the day, in your car before you start your work day. whatever works for you. If you get into this and you want more, go to the meditation apps, Headspace, Calm, Insight, Or try Tara Brock's fabulous website. So today we've looked at NEST, nutrition, exercise, stress. Next week, we'll do sleep and technology. Obviously, we are all doing self-care every day, except for when we're infants. None of us are starting at ground zero. We don't need a complete overhaul. But I want you to make the connection that these five areas affect your mental wellness food is not just about if our pants fit we don't need to pretend that we if we are not part of a 12-step program we don't need to look at how alcohol and drugs affect our mental wellness we have to step into the new reality that the world we live in will be very unpredictable and full of change and with that a bit of meditation can take the edge off It will not solve climate change, but it will help us to decrease the emotional fires and flooding that occur regularly in our mind. Since I was 25, every January and every July, my birthday month, I have just paid attention to my mental wellness and added one self-care practice. Of course I haven't kept them all up. I've added drink more water 10 different times. But the point is this, all we need is a little bit of intentionality. And remember, obsessive practices are not what we want for self-care. Moderation is our friend. So as you go through this week, just tweak one area of self-care. Trust your gut and put up a post-it and tell a friend. Reminders and accountability buddies go a long way. This is your inner challenge.